0: The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. Custom software needs vary significantly. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Harnessing the technical excellence of Bulgaria, MentorMate provides end-to-end software services in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer world-class care through technology. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us at another Medical Alley podcast. I'm so pleased today that we're going to get to talk about the UK market and uh, opportunities for bringing medical technology into the UK market. I'm joined by a, a wonderful guest, a friend of Medical Alley, a friend of the Medical Alley community. Michael, would you mind uh introduce yourself and introduce Device Access for the listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, uh, Frank, and absolute pleasure to be invited to participate in this. So I'm Mike Brannigan harris I'm the CEO of Device Access UK. Um, we're based in southern England, and uh, our goals are to help get great technologies to patients faster. And for the past 11 years, we've worked with a lot of Minneapolis-based um, companies. We're absolutely it's such a pleasure to be working in such a great uh, community with such great technology. Um, and uh, so, again, we want to get great tech to patients faster, and, and uh, we have a great team of people. Uh, we've helped over 45 companies um, through nice evaluations in that time. Nobody else has done anything close to that. Um, my background, interestingly, uh, is in medical devices, going back to 1989. Um, and I started selling wound dressings and ended up introducing robotic surgery, endovascular grafts, lots of endolaparoscopic things. And and from 2005 to nine, I ran Venus Medical Technologies, which was the subsidiary of Venus Inc. based in uh, San Francisco, uh, San Jose. And and that was a huge success story where I introduced a, a great technology for treating uh, varicose veins. And um, and luckily, that, that whole adventure, working with that company, uh, led me into understanding the customer, understanding our NHS customer in a very deep way, understanding reimbursement. And that led me, um, as my mission was to make my sales team as job as simple as possible uh, to get sales and, and grow a great business, that led me into uh, some early engagement with NICE at the time that they were re, re, um, realigning, re, re, relaunching their medical devices program. So I was very lucky to, to, to be involved at that time. And then soon after all that happened, the company Venus got sold to covidian and a year later I set device access up. So that's sort of history of, of, uh, of us and, and me.
0: Thank you. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that because uh, the experience you have actually being on the device company side, having to commercialize the products in the UK, you bring that knowledge and experience to your clients. I want to talk about, you mentioned NICE. Can you talk a little bit about for our listeners, what is that and what's involved in it? And then we'll talk a little bit about the work you guys do to help a company through that process.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, I, I would like to describe NICE um, as the JD power to a healthcare system. So you, you have your JD power reports tell you, you know, which washing machines buy, which car to buy, et cetera. And um, we have the same system, and they are a sort of arms length body in the uh, uk and and their job is to primarily if it's a new treatment. So if you're sticking blooms up noses and inflating them, Um, or you're using a a, a sonic wave to treat uh, kidney cancer, if it's a new thing that's not been done before that they look very closely at the safety and efficacy of new treatments at one side of the scale. And at the other side of the scale, they're there to promote great technologies um, that offer benefits to patients, care providers, hospitals and payers. And so um, they offer an, an enormous opportunity uh, and have been um, instrumental in helping a number of uh, in Minneapolis uh, medical alley-based companies in, in gaining and securing reimbursement in other countries, in particular the US, with some of the payers there like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and Anthem. So the effects of a, of a positive, nice evaluation go far beyond our small island here. So, so their job, as I say, is the JD power healthcare system, and they're, they're on the lookout for technologies to promote them and to promote their use across the whole of the UK healthcare system.
0: Oh, it's very good. And you said something really interesting there about NICE decisions helping in the U.S. When when we talk to our members, um, getting reimbursement is one of their constant challenges, one of their biggest pressure points. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like, How does getting NICE coverage help you on the U.S. side of the pond?
1: Um, I just, well, I, I think that NICE have been around for over 20 years now. And then they are um, highly respected as one of the world's leading, leading HTA. And obviously, everything we do is an English language. I, I believe and I know from people that, have, that worked with us that have said, look, when we get NICE coverage, it's it's helped to, to gain reimbursement with, with payers in the US and other countries as well, particularly the Commonwealth countries that look closely at, at what they do. So the question is, does NICE get reimbursement? I mean, uh, it, that's a really, really interesting um, question as to what their role is because generally speaking within our coding system so we we um we basically have a system that reimburses treatments and procedures and within the cost of those episodes of care it, it there's there's an expectation that the cost cover the cost of the devices and the consumables and the doctor's time and length of stay and bed days etc so generally speaking we offer a really flexible reimbursement system whereby a lot of the time we can find that we can get new treatments covered under existing codes because unlike other countries um, in the world that do device specific reimbursement where you get a device specific reimbursement code, a bit like Australia, uh, you know, you don't have to wait for that. And we can generally find codes that cover treatments that that are quite generic or, you know, that that would cover the description legally and, and properly. And then when you take into account that our healthcare system is publicly funded, which means that, you know, you know, if you go up to a New York fireman and say, can you give me a business card? And they'll frown at you and think, well, hang on, why would why you want, I don't carry a business card, I work for the New York Fire, Fire Brigade, you know, and then you ask them how many fires they put out and whether they earn more money when they put more fires out. That's an NHS doctor, they're paid by the government, doesn't matter how many treatments they do, um, how many operations and patients they treat, they get paid a salary. So there's not a, a driver for a doctor to do more treatments, to use specific bits of kit for his own personal gain in our healthcare system because they're publicly employed people. So it's a very different methodology to the US where, you know, uh, companies encourage doctors to do treatments, to add on other treatments so that the hospital or so the doctor and the hospital earn more money and get more money from them. So. So it's a very different system to that. So you, you, we offer a really flexible and open platform for, for the introduction of new technologies without waiting for new codes.
0: It's oh, really helpful to know. And maybe let's talk a bit more about the, the NHS in general and kind of how that system works. It, it spanned a bit on how the NHS works at a high level. And then if you would talk about, I know you guys have a, a claims data database that you work on. and. How do you use that in support of, say, a, a company that's looking to enter the UK market?
1: Yeah, sure. So the two parts of that, how, do, how does the NHS uh, system work? Uh, well, we're we're or, or going back to really the, the fundamentals of the, how it's funded. So it's publicly funded. You know, most people, everybody's covered in, 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 in the country. So you, you live here in your citizen, you have the NHS uh, cover, coverage. So there's no plans. There's no, you know, you don't have to pay into a specific plan like you do in, you know, with insurance. So it's funded through taxpayers' money. Um, you know, if you wanted to fill your your uh, three series BMW gas uh, in the US, it would probably cost I don't know fifty dollars. It might have gone up. I'm not sure. Over here, it would probably cost something in the region of a hundred to one hundred ten dollars to fill that tank. So we get taxed in in different ways to fund uh, things like the health service so it's funded centrally and then you have regional payers regional payers that look after specific populations and they're called they were called clinical commissioning groups but let's just use that terminology for simple simplicity so there's regional payers that that pay providers and those providers are NHS so so that's the way the money filters down into the system so uh, going to your second point um frank about um, the claims data so we we have a publicly funded healthcare system in england there's 55 million lives or so there's about another 10 million within ireland scotland and 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 uh, wales which are smaller parts and they have their own healthcare system it's still the nhs but taking that bit aside bulk of it is in england And so all of the billing for treatments, if you consider in in that sort of business mind that when you go into hospital, you get diagnosed with the condition, they work out whether you came in as an emergency or as an elective case, all your diagnosis codes, including the primary diagnosis code, are are recorded. Then you have treatments or or you get diagnosed, all that's recorded. And at the end of that spell, um, there's an invoice raised between the provider, the hospital and the payer. And um, about uh, seven, eight years ago, we were very fortunate um, to be able to have access to to this, what's known as NHS data, NHS um, mutual claims data. And that gives us incredible insight into how hospitals treat patients today. So when we get companies coming to us saying we've got a new treatment for glaucoma or as an example, we can go into the databases and find out not only how the, you know how many patients have glaucoma we can also work out uh, what treatments they had we know what that cost, how many days they waited, what other things are wrong with them are they diabetic are they uh, you know do they have other eye problems, et cetera high blood pressure you know we can look deeply into those um, and we do it to try and work out um, in our framework of, of, of thought and that is understanding who needs a device um, when you apply a new technology to that population, what's the difference? versus the standard of care and there are sort of principles in, in helping us to understand and help a company to, to formulate a value proposition and an offering to help patients in our healthcare system and at the moment we've got 4.7 million patients waiting um, for uh, elective surgery and it's the biggest waiting list in history for our healthcare system and we really really need technology and and so much of it comes out of the medical alley region so you know, uh, we're up for that. And and so having that data can help us to really truly understand the impact that these great technologies that are grown in the medical area um, could bring to our healthcare system.
0: Oh, that's very helpful to know. And the, the sort of rationality of being able to access that data, really dive into what's the opportunity and then use that to build a plan. I, I have to think for your work, for your client's work, for a device company, that just makes Uh, Not that it's ever easy, but makes life easier to prepare and to enter the market.
1: It really does. And it's helped us to, you know, to to work out some principles that seem to work and we haven't changed them for many years now. And those are the principles of market access that we we talk about a lot. I mean, they're very different to the principles of marketing, which is product price, place promotion and 1970s rhetoric on how to sell dog food to supermarkets. Um, When it comes down to medical devices that affect people's lives, the performance of a provider of care and the payer of care, it's much more complicated complicated and when you have the insights that we have in terms of what differences these new technologies can make that i think you can only get in a couple of countries in the world across the whole whole of their population i think the uk and sweden are the only two countries that offer that but when you when you start to work out you know the patient benefits so how does a patient benefit from this tech- technology how does a care provider the hospital benefit from the technology you know does it reduce length of stay does it improve productivity does it uh you know does it make the the more profitable i mean they are businesses of the uk hospitals and they're trying to do as much as they can with limited resources and they have you know they've got to get through this huge waiting list and and they're being driven and hard to get through it now um, and then for the payer of care you know you can really start to model out those long-term costs beyond the time that that patient's in hospital to actually say, well, actually, you know, if you use this this patient uh, has this treatment, um, it's likely that they won't be coming back as a readmission. It's likely they don't come back with an infection. It's likely they don't in three years time end up having another operation because it's not durable or it doesn't work. You know, can really track those activities. And and we've done some amazing work. I mean, um, just an example within say epilepsy, you know, we're able to find patients that aren't managing epilepsy really well and they end up on a frequent fly merry-go-round into the ER every few times a month right and we pick out those populations and we can work out what that costs the provider well the patient obviously in terms of the life but the provider and the payer costs um, and and then that's where we start building a value proposition around a new great technology that could solve that problem and, and help that patient to live independently so it's a really it's a very fulfilling job this and and you know i i love technologies and i get very excited when i come out to minneapolis and i i i Bump into you, uh, Frank, and 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 you know we talk about what's going on in medical alley because um, it's it's all coming from there, and, and it's sort of slightly upsetting that we don't have a lot of homegrown stuff going on here with with med tech, but we do certainly have a great environment for helping companies to come here. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you know we talked about the the new regulatory system, which is faster than the than the Central European one. Now we're out of Europe. And, um, you know, the the, we have also have this other organization, which is a bit like your NIH. We have the NIHR, which is our research part of the NHS that has over a billion pounds worth of funding a year that funds studies um, for companies wanting to prove the devices work in our population. So there's some amazing opportunities for companies to come here and and get uh, get getting get involved.
0: Yeah. And and I'll say, I know for the Medical Alley companies, the UK has long been an attractive market for a lot of the reasons you just laid out. And the, we think, Medical Alley Association thinks there's more opportunity to bring innovation from here to there, but also to connect with the companies in the UK coming into the US market. So I'm, I'm excited for the opportunities. And you just, you mentioned one other pretty significant change um, that's recently happened. I'm hoping you can expand on that a bit, which is the change in the regulatory schema where because of Brexit now the UK has its own uh, approval process. Our members all the time are talking about the challenges of the EUMDR changes. Can you talk just a little bit about what is the CA process looking like and like how's that going and you know kind of the new experience that you're having?
1: Yeah, so I'm not a regulatory expert. I'm a market access person, but I work really closely with people in that space and experts in that space. And what's become clear recently, more recently, and uh, is is the fact that the new UKCA process is faster. I believe it's based on what was the old CE mark process, which everybody knows, um, you know, how to how to follow that. There is an emphasis though um, on on tracking patients um, longer term following particular um, treatments so, so which is good so but but overall um, my understanding is and from what I'm seeing in terms of the numbers of inquiries we're getting plus um, we, you know I, I've, I've been talking to a company today that, that may be pulling out of their decision to, to even go into Europe because it's so complicated and there's no clear there's no clear messages in terms of, of how long it's going to take them to get clearance for central European approval so um, we're, we're gearing up to be the the place for life sciences i think the whole environment here not only from the regulatory side but we offer within our taxation system here um very generous research and development tax credits um for companies that do r d in our country so when you look at faster ca marking UKCA is quicker um, so great regulatory environment uh we're, we're a country interested in innovation in r d we have a pretty low corporation tax rate across um, most of, of Europe, and you know we have the NIH equivalent, which funds research. You know, it's no surprise that we've helped quite a number of companies to to set up and incorporate and and and, and you know benefit from those um, those things that the UK has to offer. So um, that's my that's that's my pitch on on why to come to the UK. And uh, yeah,
0: and I would echo all of that. Uh, the What we hear from the Medical Alley companies that have worked with you, that have gone into the UK, is that the opportunity is significant. While nothing's ever easy, the pathways are pretty well-defined and manageable, and it's a great market to be in. And I'll add one last thing which is, um, as we're coming out of the pandemic, we're hearing from our friends at Delta that the daily flights will be returning between MSP and London, which will also make going back and forth a little bit easier. And I can say personally, I'm very much looking forward to that. One final question in closing, which would just be for your advice, if, if I were a device company and I'm getting to that point, or I think I'm getting to that point of exploring the UK market, what are the what would be your top tips of where I should start or what I should start thinking about to be ready when I start that process?
1: Well, that's a really good question, uh, Frank. And and you know, over over the years, we work with you know thousands of companies, and we've seen those uh, succeed, and we've sadly seen some fail. But but I think the starting point of any venture in any market really is I, I stand by these principles of market access. So you know, how are the, how is the technology going to benefit patients? How is that technology going to benefit the way a hospital operates? And and all hospitals are under pressure globally now. You know budgets are, are, are hard. Uh, you know we've just had this huge pandemic issue, but you know whether it's availability of beds or whether it's just general funding or insurers tightening their belts, right? So how does that technology? benefit the hospital and in our country in particular we've got a shortage of beds which is why we shut down a lot of things um uh, you know germany has a lot more available beds but but you know 70 of our treatments are day case um, or ambulatory or office-based or i think you call outpatient there's all these different phrases right so well, what we're about here in this country is we want fast ambulatory treatments that use as few resources as possible gets that patient turned around and out Fit and healthy back home again where they're safe and with their family so so we're looking for technologies that that offer day case if possible because that again frees up capacity in hospitals and then the, the next piece so we've got patient provider payer benefits so we're looking at long term um benefits keeping people at the er better um better compliance um and and we're looking for cost savings in 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 the overall budget so a number of technologies that may be more expensive at the front end for the provider but longer term they are better for the payer that's exactly what NICE's job to do is to show that long-term costs are benefit you know the long-term costs of treating somebody with this with this new treatment are are not just um you know just good for the patient but good for the healthcare budget so so again uh, and the last part is um think about pricing your device on these principles and those principles are making sure that you optimize the, the price based on the value of the technology to the patient provider and payer. And what a lot of companies do, the two things I want to mention is, one, they base the selling price of their device on what they charge the John Hopkins University or what they charge in America or in Germany, whatever. So, you know, having a price based on a, on a, on a, on a generic is, is not really helpful when each healthcare system is different and has different initiatives and funding. So price it based on the benefits. And the second thing is when it comes to con- conducting research on new technologies. And when you bring new things into our country, all the doctors will be interested in research. But make sure that any research you do, uh, you know, captures economic value and that you do um, have a system in place or you've gone through a process of understanding making sure that you collect the right evidence so you don't have to do the study again because the numbers of companies frank that come meet these charming doctors in wherever they do a study then they realize they haven't captured some really important things you know do a study for an hta don't just do a study for what the doctor wants right and that's really important and and, and another area that i see companies burning cash and they're only startups, so they only have a limited runway right so we, are, we actually offer, we do offer a service, we have a, a contract with NICE actually, to offer a service called MedTech Early Technical Assessment or Metatool. And this service enables us to take a, take a company through a mini HTA with a trained specialist and give them the answer to say, look, it might be too early, you've missed this evidence, you Need to think about this question. You've not got it right yet. Come back in three months' time or go and do this study. So we can actually reduce the risk of these companies doing the wrong studies and reducing the risk of them to go to the to go to nice too early or hit the market too early. So we offer a whole range of things besides the sort of uh, data provision and, and other things here. So That would be my advice. Big answer to your question, Frank, but um, there you go.
0: A great answer to the question and a, a great place to wrap it up. This was fantastic. Super informative. I really appreciate you sharing your insights and spending time with the Medical Alley community today and as you have for many years.
1: Thanks, Frank. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you guys. And uh, we look forward to uh, welcoming you on that Delta flight into London sometime when you're when you're when you back over. And uh, let's hope the world opens up a bit. Um, we've done a great job here with the vaccination program like you guys. So hopefully soon.
0: Indeed, I look forward to it. And that, folks, is the Medical Alley podcast. Thank you for joining us again today. Make sure to subscribe and view them at medicalalleypodcast.org and on all your favorite places to find podcasts. Have a great day.